so I wanted to do film, but I know the trend right now is the TV because we have a lot of like streaming devices. So even when you do film, it's for TV purpose, like Netflix or something like that, or、um, any other streaming service, Hulu, Amazon, anything, right?、Um, so I think in the lines. Between film and TV is blurring a little bit more,、um, so we always kind of nowadays we kind of categorize film and TV together. But commercial is really fun too. I've done commercial like print commercial or like、um, just commercial commercial, and that is always fun because it's very well paid. And it's、ah. take up. <laughs> it doesn't take up a lot of time too, because it's usually like a day or two shoot, and you're done. Welcome to another episode of Navigating the Rise. So today we have this very awesome Vivian. I'll let her decide which last name she wants to use. <laughs>、uh, so before we go forward with the.、Uh, Conversation. I'll let Vivian introduce herself. Hi, everyone. I am Vivian On, and I currently live in Los Angeles. As even though we're doing the Skype call, but we are both in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so I don't know what like.、Um, I've been here for about ten years now, and I've been pursuing acting.、Um, like that's my primary passion. Cool. So, what are some of the major things you have been doing with your acting?、Uh, major things.、Mm, okay, I guess everything's major.、Uh, yeah. So,、um, I've done commercials. I've done、um, some TV and film work.、Uh, there were there was one that is, that was aired in China, and、um, and then there's one that's、uh, called Harry Danger, which I I was. In one of the episodes, and that's a Nickelodeon show. Cool. So, would you think that is it easier for you to do things here in like L- L.A. Hollywood versus getting those work in China or Asia or somewhere else? Or is about the same in terms of the approach and difficulty? Well, the one the China film that I got, I actually got it here because they were doing a collaboration. So it's a China Hollywood collaboration, and they needed actors here. So I was actually hired by casting directors here.、Um, I'm sure it's probably a lot more competitive. I, I, I shouldn't say that. I think it's it's probably equally competitive, like China versus here. But the difference being that in China you're competing with other people who we look similar, you know, the Asians, and here、um, we're competing with not just the same Asian. You know, ethnicity, but other eth- ethnicities as well. Especially nowadays, when they do like, like Asian ethnicities, they don't just do that. It's usually open ethnicity, so you're like completely competing with a lot of different, basically everybody. And if when they do Asian, it's not just like Chinese, Korean, Japanese, but it's like Asia, like Indonesian, Thai, Vietnamese.、Uh-huh. You know, it includes everybody. So. I would say it's very competitive、um, because casting need to they they're just gonna pick whoever's best for that role, really not based off of your ethnicity because that's the movement we're moving into, right? <laughs>
So we kind of cut out a little bit of what um, mm-hmm. you mentioned. They were pissed the best for the role. And then what did you say? Um, so I said that I think casting directors will pick whoever's best to fit that role. So now it's not really just based off of your ethnicity, unless specifically they wanted that ethnicity to be portrayed. Um, and I think they're a lot more careful now because I've actually auditioned for like um, nail salon girls and they really wanted Vietnamese people to play that <laughs> role um, instead of faking it. And um, or and they have like Chinese person to play a geisha. You know, I think they would be a lot more conscious now when they do that kind of things to if the role calls for a specific ethnicity. Do you see that that is changing recently or has always been like that in the past? When did that shift actually happen? I feel like the shift happened more in the last couple of years because we've been very like... like you know, wig or something. I see that on Facebook all the time. It's like, you know, calling out Scarlett Johansson playing a Asian person, you know, pretend uh. that, right? Um, <laughs> or um, so that kind of thing. So I think now they're a lot more conscious. Although, like, I really don't think even even if we talk about, like, Asians, um, like, say, for example, Korean, Chinese or Japanese, I think Japanese people are more, e- like, easier to pinpoint. But even that, like, I think... Even among us, we can't really tell sometimes, right? Yeah. Along like people who are not familiar with how we look. Yeah. So I mean, like if you think about it, in the past when it had plays, uh, women are not allowed to be on stage, right? So a lot of men will pretend to be women yeah. on the stage. Yeah. So it's almost like similarly now, like non proper ethnicity but they play and portray as someone else mm-hmm. how men used to play as women on stage yeah. totally yeah i guess yeah good analogy yeah. <laughs> yeah totally you know like i remember back in the day like remember um i don't know if you remember the show heroes or hero heroes right yeah and um the main just speaks japanese all the time but um the one that plays his friend I know, I think he's Korean. Oh, really? And then he learned Japanese. And so, like, I remember listening to him sometimes, like, on the show. I was like, what was he talking about? Like, he, like, memorized the thing, but it's just maybe the tonation or the pronunciation of it. Just like, what? What was he saying, you know? And I'm sure, like, a Japanese person will, like, really hear that and know like he's pretending but since it's an american show nobody cares um <laughs> they're so like oh, was, his yeah. friend they're speaking japanese and on the subtitle it says japanese you know conversing in japanese or something we just accept it yeah. that being so, that so so i'm assuming you speak japanese then because otherwise you would not be of the intonation uh yeah but i'm not like native so i don't i mean i put that on my resume um but nowadays even that they're very strict with like they want it they would specifically say it needs to be a native japanese person or something really so even Mm -hmm. though you say you know the language if it's not native it's kind of useless depending on the role again you know if they if it's like a japanese american then i don't i don't think they care 
Um, but if they specifically say that they want somebody who is fluent, you better be fluent and sound like a native person. Cause I know like I went to one of the audition, it was a, it wasn't Japanese, it was Chinese. Um, and it, the audition, actually the whole thing was in Chinese. They even asked you questions in Chinese. And I remember sitting in the audition room and the guy next to me, he did not speak any Chinese. And then he was like panicking a little bit. He's like, oh my God, I don't know what to say. He's trying to memorize like his answers and stuff like that. But it was like part of, part of it is improv. So, you know, it, I th- I just, I don't know. And he's like, I don't know. I just told my agent that I could speak it, but I didn't, I, just, I didn't tell them how fluent I am. And they just <laughs> made this role. And now I have to speak Japanese, I mean, Chinese. Um, I don't know if you got the role. But <laughs> I mean that one that that particular commercial was going to be marketed towards Chinese people, so you better be fluent and improvise on the spot, you know. I see, I see. Wow, that's pretty uh, um, amazing. Uh, so in that sense, I'm curious in your line of work, which I'm sure like with acting, there are different kinds. Some gears more towards commercials, some gears more TV show, some gears mm-hmm. movies, etc. Which one is more like your focus? Uh, what, well, I'm sure you can do all of them, but like what's on the one that you prefer to do or the one that's like near the top of your list? Um, well, I grew, I grew up like watching film. So that I think that's everybody's thing. You know, you want to be a film actor. That's like the cool thing. Uh, but... I, I think film, because film is a lot shorter, it's condensed. Um, uh, so I wanted to do film, but I know the trend right now is the TV because we have a lot of like streaming devices. So even when you do film, it's for TV purpose, like Netflix or something like that, or um, any other streaming service, Hulu, Amazon, anything, right? Um, so I think in the lines between film and TV is blurring a little bit more. Um, so we always kind of, nowadays we kind of categorize film and TV together, but commercial is really fun too. I've done commercial like print commercial or like um, just commercial commercial. And that is always fun because it's very well paid and it's ah. it take up <laughs> it doesn't take up a lot of time too because it's usually like a day or two shoot and you're done for like months if it's just an ongoing show right um film it's like a few months um, more intense so that would be the main difference i think uh because i know people will like disagree with me there's like acting differences and that kind of thing but uh-huh. Um, but that the duration is, I would say, also like different, like time, time wise, and pay. Uh huh. So I'm assuming is is there a specific one that you're more interested in than the other one? Is the film because you say what you grew up watching film? Yeah, I grew up watching film. I think if I were in Asia, I would totally want to do TV more. But here, I would like to be in film more. Um, but TV is fun too. I'm like kind of changing my mindset as well. Like I think film and TV both are fun, you know, it's different, but they're fun. Uh, and TV, there's a lot more different genre as in like sitcoms versus 
um, real. I don't know about reality TV because that's <sighs> too much just me on TV. It's too awkward. Uh, I want to play something somebody else. Oh, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like um, and TV is more consistent work because then if you if you're a series regular, then basically unless your show gets canceled, you're gonna have consistent work. Um, versus film, after a few months, you're out of job and you have to look for the next one. I um, see. So it's almost like TV is like full time work, full time, and then and the film is like contract work in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good analogy. Very good, George. <laughs> yeah. So what about commercial? Because you mentioned commercials play really well. Yes. Um, so and short. So does that make commercial pays more or better than TV or film? Uh, if you look at the hour rate, yes, I would say. Um, but however, there is something that's also changing right now is, um, the non-union work because I'm SAG. So, uh, but then a lot of commercial now, they are going non-union because it's easier. It's less, um, money that they have to pay. Because SAG has a lot of restrictions or, you know, insurance. I mean, it protects the workers for sure. Yeah. Um, but for to the company side, they could save a lot more money if they do non-union. For example, buyouts. Like SAG will have a certain regulation and you have to get residuals and all that stuff. And then union, usually they just pay you a lump sum and that's it, right? Um, but the thing is, like, my friend is a non-union um actor and he did a commercial in Mexico he got bumped into a principal he was just one of the com- like main character principal player but then he got bumped to be the main actor for the commercial and then that commercial got renewed so usually they do like a 12 week type of thing for commercial so you do it you pl- uh, so you film it once and then they'll play it for 12 weeks. And then if they want to, if they don't want to use that same commercial, they want to change the faces or change a new concept or whatever it is, they will shoot a new one, right? Um, but if they want to save money, they might just buy another 12 week and then play that commercial all over again. And yeah. he, his commercial was played for, I don't know, he said he got renewed like six times. And each time he got a little bit more money for it. And so he did that one job for like three. Oh, he got paid to go to Mexico for like yeah. three days or something. So that yeah. was all pay for. And he was on a cruise or like a yacht or something like that. So it's like super fun. Shot for like three, four days. The thing renewed like six times. He got like, so if you th- imagine that, like the the work that you've done, like that you put in the hours and then just the money that comes in afterwards. But it's really hard to book commercials, too. So, I mean, they, there's a lot of commercials, but there's a lot of commercial actors. Yeah, it's very competitive, too. So I'm not making it sound like it's easy. Just book a commercial and you're good. Yeah, I'll do commercials, too. <laughs> I know. Um, I know McDonald's, they don't do this kind of buyout. They do, they want to change up their concepts all the time, you know, so it really depends on the company. So, so when it comes to commercial, like, and the, the rates, like, are the commercial, like, very fixed? Or is it also depending on the actors, too? The, the rates can be changed. Uh, 
if you're not um, like super famous that people recognize you right away, um, usually it's fixed. Um, if it's a name actor, they usually will be like it's negotiable. So it depends on how your agent negotiate with the with the agent. I mean, with the with the company or the casting people or whoever that's hiring the actors. So they'll negotiate their rate. Um, if you're a spokesperson, for example, like if you think of all these insurance commercials, yeah, yeah. same people that's going over, they they definitely have a higher rate because everybody kn- they're the spokesperson now, so they get a really good rate for their um, work. So, out of curiosity, what's like the current like market rate for these type of things? For- Actually, if you go on because it changes. So if you go, yeah, if you Google, you'll actually get a list of, um, I only know SAG, SAG ones, because SAG will post their rates. I see. Um, So you you can find out what the SAG rates are. Um, Non-union, it really depends. That's why a company can save a lot of money, because it could be as low as 100 a day to 500 or um, 1,000 you know, for 12 hours or something like that. So it depends on the company and then they'll do a buyout. So they'll be like, okay, we'll pay you $2,000 total plus 20% agent fee. And that's it for your 12 hour work or something like that. But like, if it's a SAG, it's not a lot. That's not. Yeah. Um, But you're, you're banking on, they would renew your contract because they want to keep playing that commercial. Like my friend, because I remember when he did it, this is like six, seven years ago. I think at first he only got like $3,000 total. I don't know how much he got in pocket because there's also agency fee and all that stuff, right? Right. So that you have to pay. Um, so when he shot the thing it was like, I think it was like 3000 or something like that. But then afterwards, each time they renewed it, it bumped up more. Like, I'm not sure what the rate is because I, you know, um, but it's a lot more than three thousand dollars. Okay. Uh, so, in terms of like, what are some of the challenges to being in the industry? I imagine that it's kind of difficult. I've seen people always getting short, a part-time job because they have to leave on short-term notice. All these different things. Like, I'm sure there's the the glamour you see, but there's also all these things you don't see. I'm curious about some of the challenges that happens within the industry. Uh, I, I don't know if everybody saw like La La Land or something like that, you know, in it, it kind of portrays a little bit of that, um, except she's, she got famous at the end Ah. (laughs) of the movie, uh, and she works on the lot of Warner Brothers, you know, um, not all of us get to do that. And, um, yeah, a lot of people get part-time jobs and the typical like cliche work job for actors to get to do is like waiter, waiter, waitressing, um, because supposedly it's more flexible, but really it depends on the employer and and if you can find somebody to sub for you. So even if it's like a waitering or waitressing job, I still feel like it's not that easy to get off work. Where Because as an actor, you're a freelancer and your job is not acting. Your job is auditioning. Cause what? <laughs> I know, I know. It's crazy. Our job is not acting. Our job is to audition. If that's 
something it's a it's something i learned once i got into the industry okay and um tell me more i'm confused i know right so because you know the amount of um auditions that we have to go to to book that job it, the um i remember my friend said he watched some like documentary of this like famous person he's famous now okay and he said his rate back in the day or like the rate of booking is like 1%. Okay, 1% booking rate. So, imagine that. You have to go to 100 auditions to get that one job. And that one job can only last maybe like what? A month? Two months? Who knows? And it doesn't come right away. The check has to go to the agency and then they'll cut they take their portion out and this portion out and that portion out and then when it gets to you you're like, "What? Half of the money's gone." <laughs> and it's like a month or two months later. So, you don't you don't get that check right away. Um and it's 1%. So, I mean, I'm sure like the famous people, like super famous people now, they they don't audition as much. They get booked off whatever thing. but it's like one to i would say best maybe if you could do 10% that's awesome okay but i think most of us are probably 1%. so if you think about that like our job really is to audition and i know a lot of people because of their job because they need a survival job so that's a term i use now because i always use like oh yeah it's a job i don't really want to do it and i'm doing it for the money so it's survival job okay so my survival job or anyone's survival job it's like you it's really hard to get the time off because you don't get the nowadays because everything's a lot electronic and so in casting people i know they work so hard and i i i went to a seminar and the guy said that within 3 hours of posting a role they get 3000 at least 3000 submissions <laughs> and they have to go through 3000 people and even more that's the first 3 hours so after that there's going to be more coming in so it could get, go even more right and so they have to go through that however many people and then shrink it down to like 30 people that they want to see if they could see that many people okay and then that 30 they have to choose that one person for the job Um interesting I would imagine now they will use like like you know how when people apply for jobs now they use the ATS tracking system to filter things wouldn't they use something similar to filter these kind of things too to go through all these applications No but see this is different because uh applications like a regular job is probably easier because you based off of like the skills or whatever but acting is based off of your look And yes, your skill, but it's you have to see that skill. So, um I know when you submit, if you have your picture and a reel like a video or a, a short clip, you'll be pushed more up to the top of their list so they'll see you first. And then it's the people with just a video or just a picture and then the people with no with uh no video at all, just a picture. And then the rest of you guys don't have anything on your thing right now. They they will look at you last. So that's how they they go through those. And they have to go through every one of those to get a feel if this person would be a good candidate to 
and worth their time to come in and see. Because they're going to have to rent a space and do a time slot and see all these people too to gauge if you can act. And so it's not just about like acting. Sometimes you people get really nervous. And if you can't act in front of a casting director, imagining you have to act um, opposite of like, I don't know, somebody famous, somebody really hot. I don't know. Tom Cruise. <laughs> who's who's yeah. hot right now? Um, people, George Clooney. I don't know. I'm so old school. Whoa. <laughs> um, or like somebody who's, uh, or like, I don't know, Anne Hathaway, Scarlett Johansson or somebody, you know, like you might get like speechless and you get like starstruck or something and you can't even say your lines. So they want to make sure that also that you're not weird. Not weird. <laughs> so that's how they have to see you in person. So, and they do do, they do a lot more like nowadays they do a lot more self taping so they could actually see a little bit more people than having them come in and give them a time slot. So the self-taping thing is, and then they'll, once they get that first round of self-tapes and then, then they'll choose from there who they want to see in person. I just realized something. I think it's a big business opportunity if I want to get into that space. I, the system is just so broken, the way they do things. It just feels so broken. There has to be a better way. Really? Like how? Because think about it on your on the applicant side. You go mm-hmm. through all these effort for that 1% chance, right? Mm-hmm. And on the casting people's part, it's like you have to sort through thousands of people. It's like there has to be a better way than going through the manually looking through. There has to be a way to where they match you with where they filter the relevant bookings to you. So your racial percentage of booking, mm-hmm. right? And so more to one than 1%. And similarly, on the casting side, they can actually just only look at the one that's the most promising. So I, think there's, I think there's a lot of a way to make it better. I think it's broken, in my opinion. It's really broken. I don't know, until they come up with a better system. I'll do it. I'll do it. How about that? I'll do it. Because <laughs> I, I can't think of any other ways that you would be able to do it because you have to see. The, see, they don't spend that much time. That's why like, if you send in like a real super long clip. They usually just watch the first 10 seconds of it. And they already have a pretty good idea if they like this person or no, you know. So that's why like headshots, they said, is really important. You want to make sure that when you submit that headshot, it reflects that role that you're submitting for. And that's why actors need to get like a million different headshots. Um, and also there's like also branding. There's a lot of like things that going on. So the main thing is like people think like actors get into this and they're just they just have to act. But our, our job is actually auditioning and market yourself. Because, because you're a product, right? And yeah. you don't know who you are, what you are, why people will hire you or buy you. Um, you don't get hired or you don't get picked. So, um, so you have to also like brand yourself a little bit. Like if you're known for a certain thing. And I know I argue with people about like branding and stuff like that, but they're like, nope. People can only remember like three things, the top three things that you can do. 
maybe after you're really good at those and people will be like, okay, and maybe you have to be your the producer or something to create your own content and see let people see you play a different side of you. But if you think about like the people that are acting right now, they play very similar roles. Got it. Except for like, I don't know, um, what's his name? The one that plays Meet the Parents. Um, oh my God, I just can't remember his name. It's okay. It's probably not that important then. <laughs> no, he's famous. Everybody's like, oh my God, I just can't remember his name. Because I want to say Dustin, but it's not Dustin. It's somebody. Robert De Niro. Okay, that that sounds familiar. I don't know. I, I don't know any of these people. Um, so I know the old school people. You know, Robert De Niro is like sixty or something now. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess he's not in my top of the list. <laughs> yeah, because he used to play like really serious roles only, like all these mafia. Oh, I see. I like, see. Like the Fockers, you know. Oh, uh, oh. Okay, now who he is now? Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Comedy stuff, but he still could do the serious stuff because people know that he's very good at it already. So you have to be really good at whatever you, you do, and then an opportunity comes and you get to do a completely different thing, and people realize, oh, you can actually do that too. Then you can branch out and do different things. But, but yeah, I was told that you have to be really good at what you do and focus on that one thing. So I'm curious now with all these like failures, one percent booking rate. How do actors and actresses cope with these rejections, these like downtime? I'm sure it must be very difficult, right, during that process. How do you deal with that emotionally? Um, at the beginning, per me personally, at the very beginning, I used to have a little book and I would write down like, today I went to this audition, and uh, yeah, this is what I did wrong that I think I did wrong because you don't get any like input anyways because you go in, do your thing, and they're like, thank you, and then you leave. You don't know how you did. You don't know why you didn't get it. So I have the little book, and I think what I did wrong and like kind of like really like self-criticize. Like, you know, it's always what not what I did right, but what I did wrong and how I should improve next time or something like that. But um, after like... I think maybe we get so thick skinned or you need to develop that. Um, after a while, I'm just like, after the audition, I might like beat myself up a little bit in the car and then, and then I go on with my day. Like you just kind of have to forget about it. And I would say if you don't hear back within a week, you probably didn't get it. So, and there's a lot of things that go into it that you're not picked because it could be like they cut your role. Um, they don't need that scene anymore. So it has nothing to do with you. Or they want a taller person because they hire another person who's taller. Or they need a shorter person. Or they want a different ethnicity. They rewrote the story. I don't know. There's a million reasons why you didn't pick. So like really, yeah. you can't really beat yourself up for it. So that's how I cope with things. But a lot of people do full out. So this is also a business that you just have to see the, whoever could stick around the longest. So and just never give up and just keep going and keep going and keep going. Interesting. Wow. Cool. So there's um there's a story I usually end with the with the podcast. 
mm-hmm. and or, or with this recording in general. So, so this is about like a. I'm not sure if it's related to your topic, but it's just very interesting when I thought your profile uh, because. So this is a story. It's a、uh, it, it maybe it touches on our Asian roots, something like that, where you gotta be feeling piety, etc. Where、mm-hmm. it says, "Hey,、uh, someone's lot today will be mine tomorrow." So it、mm-hmm. went long, long time ago in this kingdom, right? So there's a rule that when when、uh, when a person、um, reach sixty years of age, right? So he pretty、mm-hmm. much old, etc. The kids.、Uh, Who are still there? They have to give a mat for the parent to sit on, to guard the door until he dies.、Mm-hmm. So he basically, after sixty, he sit on the mat in front of the door night and day until he dies. Okay. So what happened then is the 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 brothers, the、mm-hmm. older brother was look ask the younger brother, hey, can you go go find a mat and give it to father so he can sit by the gate from now on. But the younger brother was really devoted to his father and think it's unjust. So he got he got the mat, he cut it in half, and gave half of it to the father. Sorry, dad, father, you have to sell this mat and watch over the gate from now on. And the brother asked, "Wait, why didn't you give the whole mat?" So the younger brother said, "If I give it all to father now, it'll be a trouble down the road."、Um, and then the older brother was like, "Was really confused. Why would be the trouble?" And he's like. And he said, "Well, you know, no one stays young for the younger brothers, and no one stays young forever. The other half is for you." And then the older brother said, "For me, why?" The younger brother then said, "When you turn sixty, won't your children be distressed if there's no mat for you?" And then the older brother, in that case, realized that his own children will face his own issue. And so, what happened then? They had to fight against that rule and overturn that rule in the kingdom. So what basically that story says is that the law of someone else's today will be mine tomorrow. So sometimes we are so filled with self-importance that we find it difficult to perceive the stark reality of our end. So that's that's that story in general. I'm curious about what do you think in terms of how related to your life or just in general. So you're saying like somebody, if it applies to somebody else,、um, one day it'll also apply to me, kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Um. Like, for example, what do you mean? What is that law then in acting? Like that you're thinking of that would be for somebody else, but eventually it'll be my turn as well. Like yeah, I'm going to go or so. So my my interpretation of that story is. Uh, is that、uh, sometimes we're so focused on ourselves that we forget to see things from a different perspective. Like the brother、mm-hmm. was so focused on reacting the law, the rules, etc., and looking only from his perspective that hey, you're like, oh, your rule, you gotta follow the rule, gotta sit on the mat, without considering from his father's perspective. Like, oh my God, that could be me one day.、Mm-hmm. It took his younger brother to make that awakening to have、mm-hmm. his change of a stark reality. So for、mm-hmm. me, that story talks about it's not good to be too self-important, but to empathize with others、uh, from that perspective. So I imagine that has a lot、okay. of yeah. I, okay, I could see it how it relates to like this industry. I guess everybody is young, and then they get their like one-minute fame or something like that, and eventually you're gonna be. So for example, we get like we got we get to play like the hot、um, ingenue or something like that, and then you're gonna、yeah. have. 
right? Like the mom and you're going to have to play the grandma, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember, I remember this is, I, so instead of um, trying out here in Hollywood, I actually wanted to try pursue my acting in Taiwan before. And I remember at that time, I'm not like young. Okay. Like I was in my twenties and I remember I met an agent and I sent, I was like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I wanted to see if I have any chance in Taiwan. Cause I was here in the States and thinking about like moving back or something like that. And I said, Hey, you know, what do you think of like my look? Do I get a chance or whatever? And he's like, Oh yeah, send me your, your information. I sent it. And then he was like, Oh, after he saw my photo he's like, Oh, you should just, you should get, uh, what do you say? You look like a good wife. I think that's what he said. He's like, yeah, I think you should, you're, you'll be good as a wife. And I was like, Oh, you mean like, I know. I was like, "Mm, you mean like I would be really good to play a wife, you know, and which I'm totally fine with Uh because and, um, here's my dog. Uh, Uh, and, um, no, he, and he was like, Oh no, no, no. I meant that you should go and get married and be somebody's wife and (laughs) basically forget about acting in Asia. Cause I asked him about Asia, you know? And I was like, uh, why? Um, and he's like, cause I, we don't want people who are like your age. And basically he was also telling me like, I don't look cute enough. I'm too fat. I'm too old. Um, and he's like, we are always looking for people who are like around 13 or something like that. We young, as young as possible, like child stars. We want people who are young that we could train and, um, and they, they will be the star or whatever. And I was like, but they're young. Like you need people to fill in the roles of the girlfriend, the mom, the grandma, the whoever, right? Like that's what acting's about. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. We always want the young people because the older people, like the young people that we scouted, they're going to grow old and they're going to fill in those other roles. So we only want young people. And that story almost kind of reminded me of that. And that's very like like how Asia is thinking about. But over here, people don't care how old you are. And you're not even allowed to ask how old you are in, at casting. Yeah. It's more about your how your perceived look. And, um, and so, like, if you can pull off a 20-year-old look, you can play a 20-year-old role. Um, and so then I think that's why all these stars are like trying to preserve their look because they want to look younger and still play the ingenue or something like that. But, um, but eventually, I mean, you have to grow out of it and you just have to, it's a different life experience. I feel like, um, and you can't be always stuck with thinking that you'll nothing changes. Um, but yeah, I don't know how that, does that even relate to your question? <laughs> I just kind of went on a ramble thing, but, but um, oh, I said, yes, did, it works. It, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to play how like act 
when I'm like 70s or 80s. I don't care what, like when I got into this business, I was thinking I want to be famous and I want to act against all these like cute boys or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yeah, or, or like I I didn't really like myself. So I wanted to be somebody else. So I think that's what acting is about. But then after I take acting and I realize acting is about knowing yourself and what trigger yourself and actually loving yourself and understand yourself. And no matter which role you play, you're playing a snippet of yourself, like a different side of you trying to get into the psyche of that character, but it's still how you interpret that character. And that's why we have auditions because everybody perceives the characters a little differently and everybody acts a little differently. And so whoever acts the most interesting way gets the job. And so it's not me pretending to be somebody else playing this role, but it's me playing this role. And, um, and, and I wanted to be like the A-list and I would always play the main character. But now like my mindset kind of changes as I grow a little older that I think I don't mind playing a supporting role. I don't mind playing a bystander. I don't care. I, I enjoy being on set. And you just have to, I think this job, you have to love the job. You have to love being on set. You have to be okay with having just a one line or have no lines. Sometimes, I don't know if you noticed, sometimes like some people kill the scene with no lines and you remember their work, even though they just appear in that one scene and they killed it. And so I was, and while I was in acting school and the teacher is like, there's no small role. There's only small like people you know like you make that role small but there's no small role every role is written into the scene or the film or tv or show for a reason and you're there to serve that story and without your this person the story can't go forward and so you're important no matter how little your lines are and it's not about that so it's about telling the story, serving the story. So, so for people who are not in your field, for mm-hmm. example, people who are in general, like inside, uh, for, who are just are non creatives, they're doing spreadsheets and other things like that. How can they support people like you who have appeals to mass audience? Um, I think there's a few different ways. Like, um, for example, if you have money, that's even better. As you know, most of our artist actors are, we're starving artists. Um, yeah. as we've talked about, like survival jobs and all that stuff. So if you have a little bit of money, um, it's always good. I think there's always people like me and other people, you know, filmmakers too, that they're trying to create their own content for some. Monetary life. I mean, we try to do it like for free, but um, because it's our passion, but um, it always helps if we can actually, because actors, most of the actors are willing to do to act for free because we just love our job. But then it's really hard to get technical people, for example, sound, um, editing, like all these post-production or even like special effects. You know, these people cost money. And if 
we try to do everything we could, but the quality wouldn't be as good. And so, you know, by donating or something, you can become like one of the exec executive producers, you know, on the for the show. And so that's one way of helping. And um, or just by contributing your own story. I think we're always looking for people with different stories that we wanted to um, to help, you know, to spread and help uh, to for other people to relate. Um, you know, I think everybody has their own unique story that they can share and people can get inspired from it, you know? So if you have stories that you uh, want to share, I think that's really helpful as well. Um, you know, brainstorming and that kind of thing, or just, you know, giving feedbacks, I think always help. We're just like your emotional support being our fan and just like our, every single post or <laughs> our, our, our fan page or something like that. I always get really happy when I see like new followers, you know, and get really sad when there's like followers dropping. I was like, why, why, you know, so that's always really helpful. And, um, and then lastly, I think when we do have things coming out, um, it will be really, really helpful to share our product with other people. Cause um, you know, we only have so many people around our Saphir that we can influence. And by having more people um, spreading the product, the final product out, it would really help, you know, and just support. It's it's really just like that emotional support. So I think every time everyone, someone tells me that I'm doing a really good job or like my story touched them or something like that, it gives that um, like it. It makes me feel really good and I want to keep doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I think it goes back to that thing about like uh, how to keep going. Right. And I think when you know that somebody is supporting you, like even not monetary wise, just that emotional support. I think that what that's what pe keeps um, keep most of us going. Got it. I agree with the fact that when I see my subscribers drop, I get sad. When they increase, I get really happy. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Sounds good. I um, just want to have a takeaway. I completely agree with that. Like, even with K pop, they want to train their people and do it the way they want to do it. I think it's a typical Asian culture mm -hmm. in the entertainment business. Uh, so, kind of now, kind of sum things up. So basically mm -hmm. now in this industry, ethnicity now is a bit more conscious now in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And TV is becoming more mainstream because of mm -hmm. the streaming devices and services. Mm -hmm. And how really that your picture and your reel is very important. And that mm -hmm. first 10 seconds can make or break you. right? And kind of main thing you mentioned about being in that industry is to never give up. That kind mm -hmm. of played a lot on your probably the, the Asian uh, nuances of diligence and just working hard, right? Yeah. And you also mentioned that there's no small role. And in order to be a good actress or actor, you have to first be really self-aware. Otherwise, it's harder for you to actually make it because it's more about finding yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's my uh, gist of it. Am I missing anything that you want to add? Uh, No, I think you summed it up really well. I mean, I'm sure maybe I'll come up with something after that we hung up. I was like, no, I want to say this. But yeah, you did it really well. <laughs> well, sounds good. Well, then thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you for the opportunity. And let me just ramble and chat <laughs> and no share. No problem. Anytime. Anyway. <laughs>
Okay.